Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to Luke chapter 19 beginning at verse 11. Glory to you Lord Jesus Christ. As they were listening to this he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So he said a nobleman went to a distant country to get royal power for himself and then return. He summoned 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 pounds and said to them, do business with these until I come back. But the citizens of his country hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to rule over us. When he returned, having received royal power, he ordered these slaves to whom he had given the money to be summoned so that he might find out what they had gained by trading. The first came forward and said, Lord, your pound has made ten more pounds. He said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been trustworthy in a very small thing. Take charge of ten cities. Then the second came, saying, Lord, your pound has made five pounds. He said to him, And you rule over five cities. Then the other came, saying, Lord, here is your pound. I wrapped it up in a piece of cloth, for I was afraid of you, because you are a harsh man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked slave. You knew, did you, that I was a harsh man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money into the bank? Then when I returned, I could have collected it with interest. He said to the bystanders, Take the pound away from him and give it to the one who has ten pounds. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten pounds. I tell you to all those who have, more will be given, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and slaughter them in my presence. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that your word would be our rule, your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and the glory of Jesus, our only concern, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Why is it that when you come to the Theological Institute to speak, you're more nervous than when you go anywhere else? <laughs> In all the world, okay. It is great, having said that, to be, to be here this evening. And Horace, thank you for 
for the invitation. Uh, this evening's gospel reading, uh, it's in the NIV, given the title, The Parable of the King's Ten Servants. There's a similar uh, gospel reading, though not quite the same, in Matthew's gospel, and it would be known as the Parable of, of the Talents. Uh, but as we look at this gospel briefly, this gospel reading briefly this evening, there, there, there was a historical situation that was probably in the mind of Jesus as, as he shared this parable. Uh, when Herod the Great died in or around the year 4 BC, uh, Judea was to be handed over to his son Archelaus, but the handover had to be uh, agreed by the imperial government. So Archelaus made the long journey uh, to Rome for that purpose. Meanwhile, back at the ranch uh, from Judea, 50 men uh, got themselves together and they were sent to Rome to ask Augustus, the Roman Empire, uh, to stop that from happening. But it did, in actual fact, go ahead. And here Jesus tells a, a parable. <coughs> and there's a, real, there's a real parallel here about a nobleman, a property owner, who goes away for a considerable <coughs> length of time. Eventually he will return, but meanwhile he entrusts his wealth, he entrusts uh, tasks to his servants to look after and to generate more by way of wealth with. Uh, it will also emerge that not all of his subjects would, will be faithful or loyal him. That's the sort of context very briefly of, of this parable that Jesus tells. It's interesting that it's set for us uh, just as we move towards the season of Advent when we're reminded again that the Lord Jesus has ascended to heaven, that right now he reigns in heaven, that right now he is seated at the Father's right hand constantly interceding for us i am so thankful for the season of advent because i think without the season of advent we would probably totally forget the promise of jesus's return but the season of advent actually makes us focus every year on that incredible truth that he will return one day as king and as judge. He will not always remain at the Father's right hand. He will come again. We say that every time we say uh, one of our creeds. But it does seem to me that increasingly that truth passes us by if we're not very careful. One of the ancient fathers said he will come forth from the Holy of Holies to bless his people. He will come again with power and glory to put down every enemy under his feet and to set up his kingdom on earth. The Christ who lived, the Christ who died, the Christ who rose again, the Christ who intercedes for us right now will one day come again. That's an incredible truth. It's a truth that we must not only believe but in our ministries it's a truth that we must teach and preach and do so to large groups of people when we stand in front of congregations 
and, and do so often in one-on-one -on -one pastoral contexts where it may be just so appropriate to remind folks that he will come again one day as our king and as our judge. And so not only should we believe that truth, but we should make that truth central to how we actually choose to do ministry in the years that stretch in front of you and in front of me. Godly. And uh, you find that here in these verses as, as, as Luke opens them up to us in verse 11. And they heard these as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself the kingdom and then return. In a few moments, we will declare to one another the truth that Christ has died that Christ has risen and that Christ will come again. But let's always build the declaration of that truth into how we do ministry. Let's be diligent in our ministries to prepare a bride for Christ's return that would be a beautiful bride, that would be a pure bride, that would be a bride that would give him glory. And let's manage well what he has entrusted to us until he returns. Secondly, we see in these verses the incredible privilege <coughs> that comes with trust. The privilege that the nobleman placed in the hands of those that he left behind to look after his wealth until he would return. In the ordinal, it is described for us, if you go right back to the old ordinal, as a cure, the cure souls. We read in verse 13, Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. <clears throat> Jesus is clear that not all will love him, that not all will follow him, that not all will choose to become his disciples, and that all will observe his laws, that not all will become his followers. But it's clear here that to some is being entrusted and a, a really sacred trust and an important trust and, and, and folks that's what you're preparing for here a, a sacred trust an important trust the most incredible privilege that can be anyone's in life looking back on over 30 years of ministry there is nothing that's a greater privilege than to be able to serve and care and preach and teach and minister in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, our trust, if we look at the ordinal, reminds us that we're to be those that look out for and care <coughs> for those who are in need. 
that we're to strengthen those who are already Christ, those who are already part of his church, we're to add to them and add strength to them. Here's a bit that we, I think, forget in the church today, that we're to search for, reach towards, go looking for those who are indifferent or, or careless to the good news of Jesus. Often maybe the, the hundreds, perhaps the thousands in some of our parishes in the future that actually don't know Christ, but that we have the privilege to reach towards with the love of Christ. I often say, and I love to say, that we're not Baptists. There's nothing wrong with being a Baptist, okay, but we're not Baptists. Mm. We're not brethren, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being brethren either. We're Church of Ireland. And that means that we're set in parishes that entrusts to us the care souls. For me, in the parish of Willowfield, it's 8,000 houses. Uh, that's a lot of people. And we have the responsibility and the privilege to reach and to go on reaching, to caring and to go on caring, to loving and go on showing the love of Christ towards those women, men, children, old, young, those rich, those who are poor, those who are angry with the church, those who are part of the church, uh, we have the incredible privilege of ministering in that sort of context. We're to minister God's love and care and healing to the sick, to the poor, to the needy, to those in trouble. We're to preach, we're to teach, we're to baptize, we're to make disciples, we're to proclaim God's word, we're to preside at Holy Communion, we're to prepare God's people to live well, and my training rector used to constantly remind me we're to prepare God's people to die well. That's our trust. It's an incredible trust. It's an incredible responsibility. But it's the most wonderful privilege. And so how should we serve until he returns? Well, reading on in these verses, the first came to him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, well done good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mind has made five minas. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mind, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in the bank? And at my coming I might have collected it with interest. The inference, the challenge is clear that we're to be faithful, that we're to employ ourselves, that we're to use our time and our gifts and who we are and who Christ has made us and how he dwells in us to advance his rule and his reign. That we're to be diligent in all that we do, that we're to keep to the very end, actually, the vows that we will make at our ordination as deacon, priest or bishop. That we're to keep those promises to the very end. A prayer that... I have prayed just about every day for this last 30 years is that I would finish well. It's easy to start a race. I used to do a lot of 
had cross country running a long time ago. It's a lot harder to finish the race well. We're to serve others well, we're to care for others well, we're to lead others to Christ. Uh, we need to ask ourselves, and maybe have others who ask us, when last did you lead someone to Christ? Who are you discipling to grow in Christ? Who are we raising up to become ministers of Christ who will come uh, and take, take the baton from us? We are called to lead our churches into growth, and we need in our day and in our generation to really knock on the head that decline is inevitable. And we need actually to really look at what this parable teaches us. Healthy church life uh, will always include evangelism and people coming to faith, conversion growth, people coming to know Christ, and people growing as followers and disciples of Christ. When I was 18, uh, a guy came to serve as a rector in Donegal, an old man. He was 65 when he took on the post of being the rector. Uh, I thought he was ancient. I don't think so any longer. <laughs> but uh, he became rector at 65, and he, I, I was a very fledgling, uh, not quite sure believer. And uh, he took me and many other young women and men, and he discipled us, he nurtured us, he taught us. He sowed into our lives, and that little church fellowship uh, met on a Sunday evening. He gathered people from all over the county of Donegal on a Sunday night, uh, and he started with three, and he ended with about 110 by the time he was 70 and retired. We're to commit ourselves to a life of fruitfulness, not necessarily a life where all will be straightforward or easy. I was moaning to a friend the other evening just about some things and complaining and uh, this guy looked at me and said, well, David, get used to it. That's ministry. Uh, and at, after 30 years, I still needed to be reminded of that. That it is sometimes tough and challenging and costly, but the greatest privilege uh, out he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to the one who is ten miners. And he said to him, Lord, he is ten miners. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who is not even what he has will be taken away. The reward that we receive is not an opportunity to sit down and fold our arms and do nothing. But it's actually, it's, it's actually to keep on serving and to keep on in the task of ministry. We're called to be faithful in all that we've been entrusted with. No picnic, but the greatest privilege imaginable. Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. All that we do in ministry, all that we give, all that we are and become, and it's about who we become as well is to be for his glory and for his purposes. There's an incredible award that awaits his servants at the end of this uh, parable. And there's an awful warning to those who choose not to love and obey. Verse 27, as I close. But as for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here 
and slaughter them. I had a wonderful privilege last year of visiting the church in uh, South Korea and traveling right up to the border of North Korea and, and meeting with some most remarkable uh, Christian leaders who had been in North Korea but who were now at the stage in, in South Korea. And I met one lady and uh, she at a time had not been a believer at all but she had been imprisoned in North Korea in one of their prison camps and she had managed somehow to escape. We weren't given the whole story because of the nature of the security involved but she had managed to escape from North Korea and she escaped into China and in China she met and uh, was looked after by a group of Christians and she became a follower of Jesus. <coughs> but the thing that she decided to do a few months into being a Christian was that she felt she really had to go back to North Korea because she didn't want her parents and her siblings not to know about her Christ. She didn't want them to be lost without her Christ. And she went back. She knew that there was very likely imprisonment, maybe even death for her. And she did end up in prison where she spent the next 15 years. But only after she'd led her parents and her siblings to Christ. I didn't get to hear the, the story of how she eventually made her way out of that prison camp because again there was security issues around that but at the time i met her she was leading gatherings of prayer and encouragement for christians who are in prison for their faith in north korea that lady knew the worth of the gospel and the worth and the value and the call of ministry and counted it a privilege to go back and share Christ with her family. I was incredibly humbled when I met her and sat and listened to her story. And that's the same ministry to which you and I are called and the same privilege that has been entrusted into our hands and the same treasure that has been given to us to protect and to honour and to make known. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you would so write upon our hearts the privilege of the calling that is ours. That, Lord, we would choose to not only pray, but to desire and to cry out to you. That we would be faithful to the very end of our days. And that we would always count it a joy to live for the Lord Jesus. And to make him known in today's world. Lord, would you bless, we pray, each person, each man, each woman gathered here this afternoon, this evening and Lord continue to put your spirit upon them and upon me as you prepare us for the ministry to which you've called us in Jesus name Amen, Amen.
stand to declare together our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe. We believe. 